According to Hawks general manager Landry Fields, a lot went into the decision to part ways with head coach Nate McMillan. A lot of thought went into it, you know, a lot of conversations, and it's something that we've obviously arrived to today. Welcome to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat reporter here at the AJC, and a lot has happened this week. Obviously, we had a quick podcast about Nate McMillan's parting of ways with the Hawks organization. And of course, we're back with you guys again today to talk about our reactions and analysis of what Landry feels and a few of the players had to say regarding that move. And so... We're joined by Gabe Burns today to go over that again. Gabe joined us in yesterday's podcast as well as Michael Cunningham, but Michael is off covering the Braves. So it's just Gabe and I who attended this morning's press conference with Landry Fields, as well as chatted with each of the players, DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, and John Collins about Nate moving on from the organization. But before we get too deep into everything, We're going to take a quick break. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see do and enjoy along the world's most famous beach daytona beach florida beach on in atlanta one voice has stood out for over four decades an ajc original the monica pearson show let's talk about how you got to espn revealing interviews you are known as america's doctor but i want to know who you were before that when you have a different name you have different color skin it can be tough with atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before i'm telling my story this is the american dream the monica pearson show streaming now on ajc.com all right so i am joined today to discuss the press conference that we were able to attend on Wednesday morning with Landry Fields. Gabe Burns joined me at the Hawks practice facility to check in with the team. And and he's joining me here today on the podcast again. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing from us this week, but promise we're still here. Gabe, you were, again, as I mentioned, you were in the building with me when, when Landry Fields kind of went over his decision. What were some of your takeaways from that 15-minute press conference that we had, maybe more? Well, I'm glad that he just went ahead and said that Quinn Snyder is a candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no beating around the bush there. I mean, we've seen you know the reports and what's out there. Uh, ultimately, you know, this is a guy that was just put up there to <laughs> just kind of speak for the entire organization why this happened, what mm-hmm. went into it. Uh, it was, there was some of it was just kind of GM speak, yeah. right? But I think that certainly, and we'll get into it, even the more informative aspect of this was John Collins and just hearing from some of the players yeah, uh, just about uh, what, what they're – basically the bigger – some of the bigger issues that are going to continue and that they need to work on beyond uh, a coaching change. For sure. And between – before we get into, excuse me, talking about what the player reactions were to that news, I think one of the things that 
stood out to me in that press conference is when I asked Landry Fields about the reports regarding Nate coming to someone in the organization and, and telling them he's ready to move on. But, you know, of course, he did not. And he was still there. And they ultimately let him go. And, and Landry said that if he had been sharing those thoughts, that it wasn't with him, Landry Fields. So, you know, as somebody who's supposed to be you know, at the the front of the organization or the the, the top decision maker in the organization, it's kind of surprising that he wouldn't be abreast of what his head coach might be saying to people around, you know, the front office or the coaching staff or that he wouldn't even go at least tell us if he did and address Nate to see if those reports were true. And so, when you hear a guy say, if he expressed that, he didn't express it to me, what does that tell you? That potentially there's maybe a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff? It doesn't tell you anything good about yeah. the organization. I mean, whoever, whatever truth, you know, whatever it is, um, any way that you look at it, it's bad. If mm-hmm. it was the case, or even if it's just the scenario of Fields just is kind of doing misdirection because he doesn't really want to comment on it. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I mean, whatever possible situation it is I don't want to sit here and speculate but it's just it's a it's a bad look for the organization and you know we were on here yesterday talking about this team's reputation right now in the NBA is not great and it's it's really it goes back to stuff like that I mean all of this about Nate potentially resign it, it isn't just made up and thrown out right there. I mean there's something to it and you know he didn't want to get into it okay but his answer, whatever the situation is, is again, we used the word weird a lot yes. yesterday and we will continue <laughs> and we will continue to use it today. It's still very weird, but I think one of the other big takeaways is that of course they weighed all of their options when it came to making this decision. And Landry Fields said that he'd been keeping a pulse or or keeping an eye on the situation for at least a month and and here's him explaining, you know, how long ago he started thinking about about this decision. It's been on my radar, honestly, for the probably the last month or so. You never want to put too much stock into into any one or two particular games, but at Charlotte and the Knicks game were were definitely uh, strong indicators for me, uh, just getting a sense of of, of our players, and um, you know, it was something that. I wanted to make sure to to wait um, till yesterday to do it. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have any distractions with uh, with people while they were on break. And I also wanted to make sure that I did this face to face with Nate, and that was the time that we were going to be able to chat was yesterday. So in hearing in hearing Landry feel say that he's been weighing this decision for the last month, if you kind of go back in the schedule, it's about 15 games or so. The Hawks are about seven and eight in those 15 games. So obviously not a winning record, not even at 500, so to speak, or maybe right around that time. So when you hear that Landry is is thinking about this for the past month, what, I guess, surprises you about him not pulling the trigger maybe sooner? Yeah, you know, it, it, for, it definitely doesn't surprise me that this has long been considered because we know that. Mm-hmm. We know we we kind of covered it yesterday how th- it felt inevitable that they were going to part ways whenever that was. He said he wanted to do it face to face, which I, I guess that explains you know yesterday's timing of it. Mm-hmm. But 
Maybe you're waiting to see. You assess things at the all-star break. You yeah. kind of look at where this is at, where this is going to be improved, and you just decide there's no point in taking this further. Again, I we covered this again yesterday. Weird timing. Very it just weird. it just is. It's it's really strange timing. But ultimately, you know, if if they decided that it's time to make a move, okay, they did it. But it, it doesn't really. It do, frankly, it just doesn't make a lot of sense compared to you know just when this could have been done. I, I just yeah. it, it just doesn't really add up. I guess if I'm looking at it, if I'm in the front office, I would have tried to have done it not necessarily right before the the trade de- I'm sorry, the the All-Star break, but maybe before the trade deadline. Uh you're going to start bringing in some new faces and maybe and getting rid of some old. Maybe the old is one of, you know, the head coach and that at least puts you in a position to have more than just 23 games. For the rest of the season, especially if you're trying to be aggressive in bringing somebody in for the last third of the season. And that's what this Hawks team is looking to do. They're looking to be aggressive in bringing in the new guy. And as you mentioned, Landry Fields at least didn't deny that Quinn Snyder was among the pool of candidates that uh, they're looking into. And so he said that they've already begun the search. They've already begun talking to candidates and here is what he said regarding what he's looking for in a new head coach. It always starts with a shared vision, and I always simplify that as being a championship caliber franchise. And that's not just with our goals, that's our day in and day out approach. Character is something that is going to be high on our list, and I, you know, it's a big broad word, but for us, uh, having a great degree of emotional intelligence, being able to connect not just with staff members, but also with players, it's going to be high on the list. Somebody that is able and willing to hold the line. Um, accountability is huge for us. And then at the end of the day, has a strong emphasis on development. That is something that we will be making sure is, is part of our priorities here with Atlanta. So those would be some to start. I think somebody made a joke on Twitter when um, Lauren Jabara from Bally Sports tweeted out, some of the qualities that Landry Fields was looking for in a head coach and with emotional intelligence and character being mentioned, they were like, well, there goes Adoka. <laughs> and obviously you never want to see jokes like that, but it, it begs into question, you know, will they keep, will Ime even be somebody that they consider? But also you think about the struggle that the two past head coaches have had with holding a couple of the players on this roster accountable. And so, Gabe, when you think about some of the candidates that were in the pool that both ESPN and The Athletic reported, I mean, is there anyone in that group that you really think? I mean, obviously, we know Quinn Snyder's at the top of the list per um, Landry Fields mentioning he has already begun talking to candidates and he's named him just because of his availability and uh, not being tied to any team right now. But is there anyone on that list that you think could hold this team accountable? Something that the last two head coaches have struggled with? You know, obviously I don't, I don't know any of these guys. I mean, there's qualities that you read about and you hear about with Charles Lee with, Mm -hmm. You know, Kenny Atkinson, we know the job that he did with the that feel good Nets team before, you know, yeah. before they, you know, blew that roster up and, and went ahead with what they did. But they need they're gonna need it. They're gonna need someone who can really relate to players. Mm-hmm. You know, Clint Capella said that 
that that McMillan's ability to really relate to these guys had had pretty much uh, had had faded over time, and it wasn't where it was a couple of years ago. And and he and John Collins pointed out it was a much different roster. You know that roster had a handful of veterans. This yeah. one, I mean, uh, Justin Holiday was here for a bit, but the oldest player right now is you know, at thirty. Yeah. So and then you have what ten players, twenty four and under. So this yeah. is actually like a kind of a sneaky young roster to be I don't even think the... sneaky you can say that it's a young yeah. roster yeah it's a, it's a roster made of young veterans <laughs> especially yeah and for a team that's in win let's trying to win right now yeah. you don't often see that you're, you know mm-hmm. you're often seeing the guy you look at like Philly's roster where you've got PJ Tucker and mm-hmm. Daniel House and these kind of guys that they just they bring in mm-hmm. so you don't see this as much so they're going to need somebody who can really develop guys but at the same time you don't want to go the route of just more of a developer and not an mm-hmm. X's and O's guy because you are trying to win so it's a tough spot to be in and when they talk about how McMillan's voice kind of lost its power in the yeah. locker room, I find that interesting, especially again from a timing standpoint. Like when did when, when did, did that voice kind of start to wane? When did it start to fade? And mm-hmm. if it had already faded over a month ago, then why did you wait so long to make this change? So it just goes yeah. back to again, we talk about the odd timing. Like when you just add everything together, it's still kind of hard to figure all this out. Yeah, and it begs the question of did maybe Nate McMillan even realize that his voice wasn't reaching the locker room, hence why he tried so many times to reportedly step down from this position. So obviously you don't want to get too far into the what-if game, so we won't go down that road. But one of the big things that came up in today's press conference was about Trey Young and the fact that you know he... In his tenure with the Hawks, the team has moved on from two head coaches. Um, Of course, a lot of questions came up about whether his ability to get along or or his ability to maintain a relationship with whoever they hire came up a few times. And John Collins talked about it, too, that that something that this team needs to do is, is mature and part of what we've seen from Trey so far is that he hasn't quite taken that step yet completely. He's shown a lot of really amazing moments this season where he looks like he's turned the corner and then it looks like he took a couple steps back. And you're always amazed that when everything is on with Trey, it's on and it's good. Uh, so when you think about, again, some of the people that are in this pool um, and those who have been able to navigate what it's like working with a, a superstar or even a superstar duo, to me, I guess the experience of Quinn Snyder is probably the best option if they can, if if the Hawks can swing that. And you actually asked Landry Fields if if money would be an issue for this team in trying to go out and get the coach that they're looking for. And what did what did he say in that answer? Do you remember? Yeah, he said that they have all the resources they need, essentially. And I really expected nothing else, but it's just good to get that out there. For sure. Um, You never know what happens in the future. But for a team that we've talked a whole lot about the tax, money is certainly something that's worth mentioning and thinking Mm -hmm. about here. So, Yeah. And, you know, at least Landry also tried to put to bed the idea that they wouldn't be able to to find somebody – who would be able to get along with Trey. And and here's what he said when 
asked if there was concern regarding that. You know, whenever you see that in the past, those are definitely areas that you want to maintain a focus on. But for us, it's not it's not a huge concern. And to place any emphasis on Trey in these matters is just totally unfair to him. And Landry talking about it being unfair to put certain labels on Trey as being unfair. This isn't the first time he said that. He actually said that when I asked about it in, you know, what was it, January, when I did that Q&A with he and Kyle Korver. And I asked, well, what happens if something Trey doesn't like comes up? Does he jump over your guys's head and go to Nick Ressler, who he's reportedly been close with? And they said that's an unfair characterization of both of them. So the fact that Landry's standing in that in that statement, what do you take away from that? Look, uh, stars are on this league. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have one of those guys, you don't matter. And we talk about this all the time. And it's the reason why guys like Kyrie can, you know, be as controversial as they are. And there's always, you know, a handful of teams that are lined up willing to acquire them. Mm -hmm. So you just you have to take the good with the bad sometimes with some of these guys. And it's clear that Trey, you know, I, again, I appreciate, you know, Landry's having his back and everything, and I mm -hmm. understand that. He has a – it's very clear he has a lot of growing to do mm -hmm. as a leader. And even today, you know, it's kind of a missed opportunity. He didn't speak, and he might be speaking on Thursday. Uh, that's the plan from how I understand it. But that's a missed opportunity when Collins, Capella, and DeJounte are, are there talking. You know, mm -hmm. Trey should have – stood up and, and been there talking. It's just typically when you're the face of a franchise, that's just what you do. And mm -hmm. it's kind of just part of the role. It's, you know, what the, it's part of what they're paying you for. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that standpoint, he definitely has some growing to do. I think John Collins, not, you know, not to put names in his mouth, but we could tell kind of some, some of what he was saying and what he was implying uh, when he was talking about, uh, different accountability and, and guys maturing and everything. And look, Trey's an incredible talent. This franchise uh, should value his input. He should certainly uh, be consulted mm -hmm. about this hire. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's areas that he needs to improve on and off the court as well. You could say that about any of them. But as Landry acknowledged, you know, there's a bigger burden on Trey because he is such a special talent. And that's mm -hmm. just how it's going to be while he's here. I, I agree. I mean, when you, again, when you're the superstar of a franchise, you're you're held to a little bit of a different standard than and than the rest of the the guys on this team. And I'll I'll go ahead and give Trey Young a little bit of the benefit of the doubt regarding not speaking on Wednesday following the fallout of all of this. And you know, maybe he really had to had a prior engagement, and you know, he can't control necessarily when the axe falls and maybe he needed a little bit more time to also gather his thoughts. I, I can, I can respect that, but we'll find out what he has to say regarding everything that has happened. At least you've been promised by, by the organization on at, at Thursday's practice. But until, until then we still have plenty to hear from John Collins, Clint Capella and DeJounte Murray regarding their relationship with Nate McMillan as well as the organization's decision to move on from him. But we're going to take a quick break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. 
Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm going to take this time to thank everyone that has subscribed to the AJC as well as the AJC.com. You guys are truly what makes all of this possible. Now, if you haven't joined our community yet, we do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our terrific e-paper, as well as our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next six months. So take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right. So, Gabe, you got the opportunity to write a really cool piece that kind of details all of these guys' thoughts. And and with John Collins being the guy that's been on this roster for the longest time, he's not only gone through Nate Wingmillan, Lloyd Pierce, and technically he was here for the last year of Mike Budenholzer's tenure in Atlanta. Just what were some of your takeaways? You kind of touched on them earlier in the show already, but what were some of your other takeaways from our availability with him this afternoon? You know, it's absolutely crazy. He's the longest tenured hawk. And he's not even 26 yet. (laughs) Yeah, and considering how often we talk about him going somewhere else, it's really unbelievable that he's the longest tenured hawk. No, I thought he was kind of the highlight of the day, honestly, because we knew – Whatever you think of Nate as a coach or as a leader or anything else, he was not the only issue here. We all knew that. The players acknowledged it. The like John really acknowledged an accountability problem, and he refused to name any specific names. But yeah. I mean, you can you can figure it out who some of these guys are or might be. But the team has to do a better job with that. And, part, you know, it's a lot younger than it was. And Capella mentioned how guys like Gallo, Lou Williams, Solomon Hill were on that team that had a run a couple years ago. Those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. So there's just – there's some growing up. There's That involves self-reflection. That's a, that's a true team effort. That's guys just simply holding themselves accountable. Like yeah. be willing to speak up. Be willing to express your thoughts on – on stuff and if you're going to set a higher standard hold each other to that standard so i i thought i actually really appreciated the honesty he was very complimentary of nate it was very mm-hmm. professional uh, all three of those guys were and i really just appreciated john's honesty and mm-hmm. just being upfront about it and that's something that you know the new coach is going to be tasked with setting that standard and really helping kind of you know john used the word guidance uh, you know, finding that new guidance, helping develop guys while at the same time, you know, these young vets mm-hmm. like DeJounte, like like Trey, like Collins, these guys just to help them continue to grow and, and really become the best form of themselves as leaders, as players. But it's also on these guys from a chemistry standpoint. Um, and 
they all talked about it. So I actually really appreciated the honesty out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, frankly, from our position and from fan positions, that's all, you know, we can ever really ask for. Yeah, I think in listening to everything from Landry all the way down to uh, Clint Capella, John Collins, and DeJounte Murray, accountability was just the theme of the day. And, and so many of them, even even John was saying, you know, this doesn't all fall on Nate McMillan. Like, yes, his he was the one to fall on the sword. But, you know, hearing from those three guys, how much they took into account, how they played a role or how little of a role they played in, you know, securing Nate's spot here. It It's refreshing to hear that come from from these guys. And, you know, obviously you never want to see your head coach be gone, but you also appreciate when you can look back at their tenure on the team and say, well, if I'm being honest, maybe he wasn't necessarily the right fit. And that was something that John John Collins touched on a lot in saying that they just didn't have enough, as you said, guidance. They didn't have enough people around to help them develop in their career, especially since, as you mentioned, a lot of them are under the age of 24, 25. So I did. There were a couple moments throughout John's availability, though, that I kind of wondered, like, at what point, though, do you guys grow up? And and now you guys are those leaders in the locker room. You guys are the voices, especially with Clint, considering he and Bogey are the ones that, in, in Bogey's case, he's over 30, but Clint is 28, 29. So it's kind of like, obviously, age doesn't necessarily mean you're the wisest, but at one point, do you start to hold yourself as a leader on this team more accountable than, say, maybe some of these younger guys? But again, still refreshing to hear them not necessarily only point fingers in one direction, but also be ready to point some fingers toward themselves. So here's what John Collins had to say, though, when I did ask about what may have been some of that disconnect between Nate McMillan and the rest of the locker room. Me personally, sometimes with teams that are younger, right? Me being a, a veteran at 25 and CC, and I think Bogey is probably the oldest guy. Coach Mack is more so, um, as I'd say, suited for guys who are in a different part of their careers. Yeah. Um, and just us being as young as we are, we feel like we need to focus on just a couple of different things. Um, and uh, I really feel like, you know, it wasn't more so the, the basketball, just where we're at mm-hmm. mentally. Um, that's, that was the biggest gap. So uh, do what you can. We do, we'll do what we can. So I think when we we talked to Landry about that, he he kind of touched on not necessarily the players playing a role in, in Nate McMillan firing, being fired. And of course, he obviously means no one's coming to him and being like, I want Nate fired. But when you hear all of these statements from John, and we'll again hear a little bit from Clint as well, it does, it does seem like the players played a role. Obviously, how they're performing on the court and what their needs are, what the roster's needs are, that plays a role into that decision. So when you think about how much maybe Landry is does have his pulse on what this roster needs and the fact that John's answer is kind of aligned in some ways with his, well, I mean, how much confidence that does that give you that, you know, this offseason that certain things that need to be addressed will be addressed? Well, it's important to identify the problem, which they mm-hmm. seem to have a pretty good idea of 
what their problems are. So that's a nice start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does go back like, okay, maybe you can, you can hire a good coach. You can hire a good leader, but it goes back to something you pointed out. I mean, at what point do the players kind of hold, just hold themselves accountable and do it yeah. themselves? Because yeah. that, that is part of it. It's, you know, one of the best parts of what Colin said today, we're not in high school. This isn't mm-hmm. college, you know, like, these guys, most of these guys, they're living in big houses. They're driving nice cars. The guys they're playing, same. Like, at, you know, at some point it does fall on you. And it falls on you to hold yourself accountable, to hold your teammates accountable. And it's not really, I mean, these guys are young, but they have been around a while. Mm-hmm. You know, how many years does it take? I mean, different people react, develop different ways, but... Mm-hmm. Look, you can hire a great leader. That's going to really help. Clearly, they needed a new voice. Everyone agreed on that. But mm-hmm. also, I mean, Collins is right. Like, guys just have to evaluate themselves, too, and decide, like, what what can I do to make this situation better? What can I do to maybe make things easier for this next coach? If it's Quinn Snyder or if it's some guy nobody's ever heard of, mm-hmm. uh, he's going he's gonna to need the support and the help of his players, and that would go a long way. Of course, and – with a guy like Clint Capella, who, again, you know, he's one of the older players on this team, at least, you know, to hear verbally another guy kind of take take some of that accountability. Again, we're, we're starting to drink the Kool-Aid and drinking <laughs> in, in repeating this word accountability. But Clint, he was like, we all take the blame for Nate being let go. And that's kind of refreshing to hear. Um, as I mentioned, it's nice to hear a guy kind of point the finger, not just at the guy who fell on the sword, but also everyone else in the organization. So here's what Clint said in regard to everyone taking some of that, some of that heat for Nate being gone. You can tell by our record that it, it, it wasn't consistent enough. Uh, uh, maybe his voice, maybe us, um, maybe like the way we were all approaching the game, it, it wasn't consistent enough. And this is not what we wanted. Uh, uh, obviously, we, we can say we can say it was Nate's voice. We can say it's him or that. But at, at the end, it's we, we all of us. We, we us players on the court, coaches on the side helping us. So it's it's everybody's fault a little bit. Yeah. So it's everybody's fault. And um, Nate's just kind of the next, not the floor general, but he's whatever you would call the guy below a general or or the above a general. I'm not sure about military terms that's not my my wheelhouse but again it, I, it's it's refreshing but I think the other key thing though that stood out to me is that Clint kept saying the word consistency and that's something that we've all seen that's been an issue on this team is they've been inconsistent or the only consistent thing is that they're inconsistent so I you, you have to think that whoever they bring in, as you could mention, Gabe, will continue, they'll continue to help them help themselves be the best team that they can be. But at the end of the day, while the NBA is a business, you're still working with with human beings. You're still developing a little bit of a family with some of these guys. And DeJounte Murray hadn't been here for a very long time, but it seems like his connection with Seattle, as well as Nate McMillan's connection with Seattle allowed them to kind of build a really solid relationship. And at times I've wondered if, you know, maybe DeJounte looked to Nate McMillan as a little bit of a father figure in some ways. But, you know, after everything came out, DeJounte said that his first thing was to give Nate McMillan a call and um, 
to me, that just shows a guy that gets it, that despite what they might agree on or disagree on when it comes to work, at the end of the day, their pers- their personal connection is what matters. And so here's what DeJounte said in regards to how he felt when the Hawks uh, made the decision to move on. I mean, yeah, I feel bad. I, as soon as I woke up and I seen it, uh, I immediately called him, uh, had a great conversation with him because that's somebody, you know, that I respect as a man, uh, a father, you know, a basketball coach. You know, he was a former player, respect what he did for the game, just all in one. Uh, and I do feel bad because it's not on just Nate McMillan. Uh, you know, I could look in the mirror and I could be a part of that. You know, I'm somebody who hold myself accountable. Uh, I use the accountability word, you know, on the court, off the court. Uh, and like I said, uh, it's not just one guy to blame. So, you know, I hope people that's making all these reports, uh, even you guys, if you put out reports to just know, like, it ain't on Nate McMillan. You know, it's we all got to look in the mirror and take responsibility and part of this, and we all got to be better. So, again, this is the type of stuff that you want to hear from some of the guys that are positioned as leaders on this team. And, um, you know, they're going to be tasked with helping Joe Prunty navigate these final 23 games. And, you know, Landry didn't necessarily say that Joe Prunty would be in that pool of candidates uh, that they would be looking to bring on. And he mentioned just saying, I told Joe to focus on the task at hand. And so Joe's ready to go. <laughs> um, you know, we got a chance to talk to him after practice. And, you know, he mentioned how important it is to get these guys through these next 23 games, especially since the team is still trying to make a push into the the playoffs. And though Landry Fields didn't necessarily commit to saying that he's hoping this team will get into the top six this season. He still said that the expectations for them to, you know, have a presence in the postseason are still high. Um, So here's what Joe said in regards to, you know, how he gets this team ready to go. We have to move forward. Uh, For example, today uh, we had a good practice. Uh, Guys were spirited, uh, good energy. Um, You know, although we definitely could tell we had a break in terms of, uh, you know, conditioning and needing to get our legs underneath us. But uh, that having been said, it is about that. Keep moving forward. Uh, We had a positive day today. Now we have to do it again, be better tomorrow. I mean, obviously they're not jumping on Nate McMillan's grave when he says that they had a positive day today, but it seems that they're able to compartmentalize some of the negative stuff that's been happening this season. Uh, We've seen this team be mixed up in a lot of drama. So, you know, hearing Joe kind of guide them in terms of moving forward, Gabe, what does that say about maybe where they can go the rest of the season? Well, you know, Collins mentioned that they need to grow up mentally. Mm-hmm. Maybe this this can be one way that they can do that. We'll kind of, we'll see how they respond these next you know twenty three games. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting because it's it is part of it's going to be mental toughness and and figuring that out because there are a lot of reasons to think that this season is is pretty much lost. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. We're you know we're we're talking about it like this. You would think this franchise is the Rockets or something right yeah. now with the way that we're talking about some of this. But no, I mean this team could, I mean this team has a chance. Mm-hmm. This team could still escape the play-in. Mm-hmm. You know if if they go on a streak. So it's not all is not lost as far as where you can finish the season. Do I think they have a run in them? No, but you never know. No one mm-hmm. saw the run two years ago coming. So I you, you can't say never. But uh, all they can do, you know. 
it, it, it's it's going to go back to a lot of what Collins was talking about. I think you know you were, you were just praising Dejounte. Mm -hmm. I thought that you know he provided some great insight. All three of those guys sounded pretty self-aware, and they mm -hmm. sounded pretty aware of the organization. It's one thing to stand there and tell us. Now it's another thing to, to do it. it. Yeah. yeah, but the fact that they at least sounded self-aware, you know, we'll see where that goes. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's really going to come back to that. It's going to come back to how these guys kind of rally around each other and see if they can turn this season into, you know, something better than just a, you know, a quick exit in the play-in. For sure. I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me yesterday in the reporting that came out regarding the team moving on from Nate McMillan is that, in an article in The Athletic, Landry Fields said that, you know, something about lighting a fire in this team and it got followed up on in today's presser. And you're like, well, why does why do these professional athletes need a fire lit under them? But especially when you consider if the voice that is supposed to be leading them is getting drowned out or ignored or, or whatever, maybe having a, a fresh perspective is is what they need. <laughs> um, and maybe lighting a fire isn't necessarily the right phrase, but as you said, maybe it's the thing that wakes them up, um, jolts them into realizing that, you know, they can't continue the way that they, they are, even regardless of who the head coach is, you know, um, whether you disagree or agree with the messaging or the game plan or whatever, if you're not going out there and, and playing 110% and holding each other accountable, then your, your seasons are going to continue ending the same exact way year in and year out. But um, in trying to get this team back on track, you know, they brought in Joe Prunty again. He was on Nate's staff as an assistant. He's been through this in Milwaukee in, in 2018, leading the Bucks to the, the playoffs. And, and so he has a little bit of a challenge ahead of him where now this is his show to run, but he knows that he can't exactly be making a lot of changes, particularly because they only have a third of the season left, if that. And so, you know, one of the challenges he's going to have to do is continue using the system that's been established over these last 59 games. And now maybe putting in, sprinkling a little bit of work, what works best for him. So here's what he said regarding the challenge of doing that. Uh, the reality is it is very difficult to make wholesale changes um, just because there is a, uh, a level of understanding certain things, uh, whether, in, uh, whether it's spacing or plays or defensive concepts. Uh, there, there might be things that could be tweaked here and there, but uh, again, this is not, we're, we're talking, we have 23 games remaining in this season, however that plays out. And for us, uh, like I said, today was a really good day. And, you know, again, I'm not going to tell you all these exclusive changes that we made, but that having been said, you know, as things move forward, we will tweak what, whatever needs to be tweaked. So I think that's one of the things that might give Hawks fans a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word, relief. Nate was among Hawks fandom known for not being a guy who makes a lot of adjustments or changes or or anything like that. So it seems like Joe Prunty might be a little bit more flexible as the season unfolds. So is that what this Hawks team needed is a guy who can be a little less rigid 
and a little bit more flexible in terms of reading the situation as as to what the team needs at the time? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Look, this team was – they clearly determined McMillan wasn't their guy, mm-hmm. uh, which you made the right move firing him. We can get – again, we've already gotten into the timing. Mm-hmm. But if you determine that's not your guy, you make the right move by moving on. You do it now, you go, okay, well, we'll see – what just a new voice if if there's any way to turn this season around. Either way, you weren't you weren't winning the finals with McMillan right. and you're you're probably not without him either. So when you look at it that way, for the long term health of the franchise, you know, this will give them kind of an evaluation period to see really how guys react to another voice, mm-hmm. how guys can kind of come together, rally around each other. You'll learn probably a little bit about your roster in these final mm-hmm. 23 games, plus whatever else you have. And again, he's, he's not, he's not going to be your, he's not going to be your long-term answer, but again, just, I think there is value in just having a different perspective, just somebody who goes about things differently. Maybe that resonates with the guys. Maybe when you talk about lighting a fire, um, or a spark or any of those kind of words, that's pretty strong. Yeah. And again, that that's, that's how you know that the, the Nate's voice really lost influence. So mm-hmm. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with it. Take a look, see what, see what happens here. But um, they, they have a lot of work ahead of them. Roster wise, coaching wise, organizationally, that there's a lot of work ahead. And not to mention if they are able to, to pull someone in, you know, say they go the next four games, uh, with Pronti, and then they go on the road for that Miami, Miami, Washington, Washington trip with a new, another new voice in tow. One thing you can say is that at least they will be able to evaluate how this team can be in chaos. Not that you want that to be your baseline, but you can see what these guys can operate with in chaos. And if they can come out of it on the other side well, then you know that you know you you're on your way to maybe having some more guys develop and mature in the way that you needed them to before all of this went down if not then you can evaluate and say all right here's where they need to continue to mature so time can only tell what happens and obviously in our last show we already shared what we thought will happen regarding our predictions of whether or not they would be able to get a guy like Quinn Schneider. I will say bet online has him two to one odds as the next head coach of the team. So if you're a gambler, there you go. I'm not. So I'm, I'm, I'm more of a wait and see type of person, but until the next show on Tuesday, next week, I'm Lauren Williams. I'm, I'm joined by Gabe Burns. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements. 
are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.